0: We're live. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I'm about uh, seven minutes after I was hoping to get on here, and I thought I'd be early today, but I I did a mistake. I I, I have a montage that I'm going to play for you, and I thought that I created it, and I actually took some time. I made some transitions, and I put titles in it, and I, I did all this stuff, and then I go to to find it right before press and go live, and I'm like, where is it? I guess I never saved it and I had already gotten off of my video. Just just a dumb mistake. I got off my video uh, streaming or a video creation application and I didn't save it. And so I had to go recreate it. So anyway, you're not going to be able to see all my transitions and everything, but I still have the content to show you. So that's why I'm a few minutes late. I did it in seven minutes. That's pretty good, actually. Um, anyway, I hope everyone's doing well today. It is a beautiful day where I am. And, uh, I just love it when things go from winter to spring and then from spring to summer. In fact, I like it when it goes from summer to fall too. The only one I don't like is fall to winter. And I even kind of like that. The, the, the start of it by January and February, I'm kind of done. I, I there's still a few things I like. if If you don't ski or, uh, like, you know, I don't know what the other ice skate, uh, you don't like going ice, ice picking or, or any of that, then maybe winter's not the thing for you. But, um, I do like some of that stuff, some in in doses, but I'd much prefer when it's warmer and and it is, I have my window open. It's great. So anyway, um, my bunny, I do have a pet bunny. My pet bunny is on the porch, hopping around, enjoying it. And, uh, and, and uh, you hear the birds and all of that. So I uh, wanted to bring to your attention a few things here. Um, be Not Conformed Conference, be not conformed I'm going to be plugging this over the next few days. Well, a few weeks, really, because we're a month out from that. Be Not Conformed I said be not conformed.com. It's be not conformed uh, And I'll show you what that looks like here. If I can, so this is uh, this is happening. And by the way, registration is going to be open soon for the Adirondack uh, Men's Retreat, which we're still coming up with names and stuff for it. But um, I'm hoping by the end of this week, we're going to have registration open for that. But anyway, uh, this is the Be Not Conform Conference. I'll give you a little sneak peek. I didn't mention this last time, but the schedule is on the website. So we're going to have a, a few different speeches. I'm going to be talking about. Um, Unconventional Ways to Stop Tyranny. Uh, I've been writing on that the last few days and some really interesting stuff, some stuff I haven't talked about on this podcast, practical ways to resist tyranny that I'm going to be bringing up. And um, Stephen Wolfe is going to be talking about the what God requires of civil magistrates. Dr. Russell Fuller is going to be talking about w- uh, what a nation is biblically. What does the Bible teach about nations? We got to get to the bottom of this, guys there's a lot of talk about national this and national that from people who have not defined and don't seem like some of them want to define what a nation actually is. So what on earth are we talking about if we can't define our terms, right? So Dr. Russell Fuller is going to help us biblically define what is a nation so we know what we're talking about. Before we can make any assessments on whether nationalism is good or bad or any of that stuff, we should probably figure that out. So uh, I asked him, Uh, to consider that topic and he actually liked the topic so uh, and he's also going to talk about cultivating courage and joy that's so important so that's on Saturday June 10th in DeForest Wisconsin at the DeForest Evangelical Free Church and then uh, the next day Sunday morning I'm going to be preaching at the DeForest Evangelical Free Church and talking about the spiritual war because you know what we can talk all day about flesh and blood and what's happening right in front of us and who we think the physical manifestations of the devil's plans are. But we know behind all of this is a spiritual war and we need to be equipped for that war. And it's a reminder to myself. That's part of the reason I wanted to speak on it because I need to be reminded of this. It's so easy to get into the frame of mind that everything in front of us is just, uh, it's physical. It's it's cause and effect and the laws of physics and people's self-interest. And so much of what we see does seem to be rooted in people's self-interest. And things do seem to work according to cause and effect in some ways, but don't be deceived. There's a spiritual thing going on. And God is more than capable of overturning all of the evil that you see before you. He can do it in a second if he wants to do that. And, and that's what, Christians are praying for. We're praying for his will. That and, and look, and I don't care if you're someone who thinks that Christ Jesus is going to come in your lifetime. Uh, first of all, you don't know that 100%. You just don't. Secondly, even if that's true, what about whatever time you have left? Do you want that time to be a, a time where Christians just cower in caves and just give up the fight or just only fight in ecclesiastical matters and don't fight uh, in in other arenas like government intrusion? Or do you want to fight to support uh, Jesus's morality, his commands that he told us to disciple people in his commands, his teachings, uh, his gospel even? Do you want to defend those things in every arena until the bitter end? Because that's what God's Called you to do in whatever station you have. It looks different for different people, but which one do you want to do? Would, do you want to just sit there and not do anything, or do you want to get involved? So, the first step in getting involved, though, is to make sure you know what kind of a fight you're actually in. Uh, the, the old saying, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight, is absolutely true. You don't bring political mechanisms for change to a fight that's really fundamentally about spiritual things. It's one of the reasons, by the way, I'll just say this uh, I don't mind. Uh, saying it, but if, if you're going to people like James Lindsay for your positive vision for what Christians ought to do politically or so, or socially, you are getting your whole entire paradigm started on the wrong foot. And I, it's not just James Lindsay, it's Elon Musk. It's Bill Maher. It's Joe Rogan. It's, um, uh, it's J- Jordan Peterson. It's Kanye West for some of you. Um, and, and, and funny enough, of all the people I just named, Kanye West probably has more orthodox theology as far as he he's actually articulated a clearer presentation of the gospel than any of the others, uh, which is which is kind of ironic if you think about it. But but any of those guys, they they have become popular in some quarters of conservatism, uh political conservatism, and among Christians apparently, because they won't go along with the agenda that's set before us. And, and, and I have a respect for that. I'm grateful that God uses people like that, no doubt, but they're not fighting this on the spiritual level. They don't even understand that dimension. Uh, maybe to some extent, some of them sort of do, but they're, they're not, if they're not redeemed, if, um, and, and, and look, I don't want to, you know, I know, I know some people have said, you know, Jordan Peterson is a Christian, uh, that Kanye West uh, is in fact a Christian. I don't know all the ins and outs of all of that. I know that they have not lived consistently that way, and I I don't I, I haven't seen evidence enough to treat them that particular way. With Kanye West, there was a, there was a time perhaps uh, that that more so, and 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 actually with with all of them, maybe he is the exception. Maybe um, I would treat him that way, uh, even even disagreeing with some of the the unusual things he's said and done uh, since making that proclamation. Um, I don't know that I've actually ever heard anything heretical uh, other than I think he did partner with Joel Osteen, if I'm not mistaken on something, which I, I don't, I don't know what he thinks about that, but I don't want to get into the weeds on all that. My my only point is really to, to say that, look, um, th- these guys aren't the templates for spiritual warfare here. And they're not going to show us the way James Lindsay's definitely not going to show you the way to positively fight all this stuff. He may give you a few tools here and there on a physical or temporal level that could help, but on the spiritual plane, he's totally ignorant of this stuff. Um, He just is. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I know a few of you have reached out, said, no, he's, he's a, he's agnostic or he's, he's actually close to Christianity or something. Uh, one person told me he's really close to Christianity. It's just that the Christians keep treating him terribly. And if we would just not do that, maybe he would, he would come around or so. And I'm like, thinking that's not how it works. Like you need to check your own theology there. Um, people come to the Lord. Why, why they come to the Lord because they are in need of salvation. They need forgiveness for their sins. It's so simple. You got to humble yourself, realize that you have broken God's law, that you can never be redeemed on your own merits. You need the merits of someone else. You need Jesus Christ. So, so kneel before him and come in that way, not Well, if they treat me nice, then I'll, I'll go into their community. That that's ridiculous. Uh, that, that's just not the the attitude and it's not the way that people come to the Lord at all. Um, but, but despite people saying that James Lindsay just recently on a podcast reaffirmed that he's an atheist. So, so there you go. Uh, all right. Well, I got into stuff I didn't plan on getting into here. (laughs) Talking about uh, Kanye West was not on the agenda, but somehow I, I, I do that to myself, uh, sometimes. Uh, so anyway, uh, we, yeah, you didn't miss much. If you're starting now, you didn't, you just missed my commentary on changing seasons and uh the evangelical dark web and and uh and and the, and the intellectual, I should say, the intellectual dark web and um and the announcement about the coming conference in uh uh Wisconsin. So I hope people can come to that. Uh, one other thing I did want to plug before we get into the main topic here is uh the rap report. Some of you are you love listening to podcasts that's where you uh, get most of your information because you're working all day and you can listen to things but you can't read and so reading's just not doable but listening is and i have a lot of um, respect for people who work blue collar jobs but they uh, they keep themselves informed and they want to cultivate the life of the mind i think that's so important podcasts is just one way you can do it and one of the podcasts that i recommend uh, checking out is the Rap Report with Andrew Rappaport. So I think it, it, the Rap Report is is based on his name. But Andrew Rappaport is a great guy. He uh, he's an evangelist. He's a pastor. He has a ministry, and uh, his podcast is available on iTunes, on YouTube, I think anywhere you can find podcasts. And and I've met him in person. In fact, he's going to be one of the speakers this year uh, at the September twenty first through twenty fourth. Adirondack men's retreat men's conference that we're doing. And so we actually have six speakers. I'm going to announce them uh, all hopefully at the end of the week. I was hoping to do it last week, but some, we just, we just couldn't get it all together, guys. We just, you know, I wanted to launch truth script at the end of last week. I wanted to launch this conference uh, registration and all that. And I, 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 it just wasn't doable. And, and part of the reason was, I think with everything happening with G3, there were, there were people reaching out to me seeking alternative uh, places to, to go and, and to, which, which is nothing against G3 personally. I, I don't tell anyone not to go to the conference or anything like that. I hope you do. If, if you're planning on going and hope you have a good time. Uh, and I hope you're edified and I hope, uh, th- there's some great stuff that happens, but, um, I, it's understandable to me that some of people are disappointed, uh, with some of the recent things we've talked about on the podcast. I, I, I we might get into a little bit of that today, but it's not the purpose of the podcast. Um, it, it and and so I was like, we we should just launch Discerning Christians now. Let's get this off the or not Discerning Christians. Sorry, getting all my organizations mixed up. Truth Script. We should just launch Truth Script now. And uh, so anyway, we that that didn't work out. It's probably going to be at the end of this week or next week before we can launch that and launch um, the registration for the Adirondacks Men's Conference. But uh, check out the rap report if if you're looking for good podcasts. Uh, that's that's one of the podcasts I was listening to it this morning. Um, I don't listen to many podcasts. Uh, In fact, I probably listen. I'm trying to think what podcasts I even listen to. I listen to the Brian McClanahan show sometimes. There's a show I've listened to a few episodes. I can't really endorse it at this point, but the few episodes I've I've heard are pretty intriguing. I've started listening. I think it's called the Pete Quinone Show. He's not a Christian, but he's got some really interesting guests that talk about things sometimes that you you just they would be canceled uh, if they were if their cover was revealed or and then it's all it's about truth primarily and again a guy though who probably does not understand the spiritual war i don't think he's a christian so you take that with a grain of salt but um but some good information on just government and and some social type stuff um that other than that i don't really listen to much uh it's kind of weird uh, cuz i'm a podcaster you think i listen to a lot of podcasts i listen to more audiobooks probably um what else do i, I there's a lutheran podcast the can't remember the name of it that i listen to every once in a while see that's how infrequently i listen i can't even remember the name of the podcast uh but uh anyway uh someone asks john would you put the information on the wisconsin meeting that you reference in the information section below the video i, I could do that sure it's I'll, I'll just actually put it right now in the chat all the information is that be not conformed conference um, well um for the podcast today i wanted to make a point. I want to make a few points, but one overarching point that I have not seen anyone discuss concerning Scott Sauls. Now, some of you might not know who Scott Sauls is. That's fine. That's fine. We've talked about him before on the podcast. I'm going to show you some clips in a minute, just a little representative of kind of where he's coming from. Uh, two of them were exposed by woke preacher clips. Another one I just I just found by just going to YouTube and typing in Scott Sauls Social Justice, and boom, there, there it is. Uh Scott Sauls is instrumental in the Presbyterian Church in America, and and more instrumental, at least he was up until recently, than maybe any other progressive leaning pastor. The reason being, Greg Johnson left. Greg Johnson was the guy uh, who w- in charge of the Revoice Conference and uh, causing a lot of problems in the PCA. And when he left, that who who did that leave to take his place? Well, Scott Sauls was probably the next most prominent figure, and 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 so Scott Sauls. Um because of his public profile he he's very involved with the national partnership uh which is for those in the p c a you know what that is for those outside it's it, an organization i loose i'm just going to say this very loosely they would probably say they're conservative theologically but they're they're the ones pushing the needle more towards the revoice side with the progressive side uh, and then you have the gospel reformation network, which is the more conservative now i i've talked about on this podcast the fact that I, the gospel Information network is kind of milk toast, guys it just is it's uh you got lincoln duncan is like on the board for it uh and you know, I, i've talked about john payne and and i appreciate john payne john payne apparently made a good speech uh at the last pca meeting and he he makes some good speeches on especially the uh the the principles and the when it's when it's in in abstract terms the woke stuff he'll he'll talk about it and he'll speak clearly and he says good things but when it comes to personally identifying who and where these these ideas are coming from and how dangerous they are in their bodily incarnations he uh from what i've seen has not done a great job and and it's 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 not it's not just his fault like he's he's balancing a lot of different things when you're in that world you're in politics that's just you, you may think you're in a christian denomination but you are in politics same thing at big mega churches. You get up into those higher ranks, you're, you're in politics to some extent. It's just the, the nature of it. And so, you know, I, I don't want to condemn unnecessarily someone who's got a lot of interest. He's got a balance that I don't necessarily have. I have some interest to balance, but not that many. Um, but, but I will say this. It shouldn't be difficult to say we have heresy, we have false teaching. This is the person promoting it. Instead, what you get is things like, uh, we have heresy, we have false teaching, and these are my good brothers over there, Scott Saul's included. Scott Saul's a great brother. I love hearing his perspective, and we can work together. on that. Those are the kinds of things, and we've talked about it on the podcast. I've showed you the clips. Now, I want to, I, I before we get into the story, the story that broke a few days ago is Scott Saul's essentially is... is he, he is stepping down from his position at uh, Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, I believe. And this is significant in a, in a way, but it's a way that I don't think anyone that I've noticed has picked up on yet. So I want to pick up on it. First, we got to talk about Scott Sauls, though. We have to talk about who he actually is and what he actually believes. We're going to watch this little Racial video.
1: Justice and reconciliation are... Um, they are the outcome of, of the resurrection. Reconciliation is, is sort of the, uh, the resurrection of friendship, the resurrection of, of, of you know apologizing and forgiving you know for, for past you know misdeeds and, and and hurts and 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 making a commitment toward friendship. Justice has to do with uh, changing the composition of the leadership table and changing the composition of. Of, of the key players who influence trajectory. And so uh, if you're part of majority culture, you know, if you're if you're like in a majority culture church, uh, you know, whether it's a black church or a white church or a Latino or an Asian church or whatever, um, you know, if you really want a, a, a racially just community, that means that it's not just crumbs from the table that, that non-majority people get to eat. It's a seat at the table where they get to sit, sometimes displacing uh, Majority people, uh, in order to um, you know, create this, this sort of collective wisdom that, that accounts for and honors all different you know, cultural groups that are, are represented. You can apply that also to rich and poor, uh, to male and female, you can apply that to uh, young and old. I mean, you, you can apply it to any majority minority situation. But to be truly just, everybody is entitled to a voice at the table.
0: All right, so there's Scott Saul's advocating essentially intersectionality. Anytime you have this minority majority distinction or press or press distinction, anytime that, that, that you see that it's incumbent apparently on the church. Uh, and this is just an outworking of the resurrection. Look how he's tying it into uh, biblical doctrine uh, to start to, to, to level those things, to make sure that everyone has a seat at the table, that everyone uh, is uh, may, has an equal share of power and that kind of thing. So here he is again, uh, this is at, and by the way, both, all of these videos are within pretty much the last two years. I think the, the I'm, I'm doing them in sequential order. That one you just saw was from summer of 2020. Uh, and well, so I guess, all right, so over two years, but uh, within the last three years, at least, and these two are more recent, but uh, here he is at a conference and this is what he says about the gospel. You tell me if this is heresy or not.
1: Last I checked, love your neighbor is part of the gospel. The second command is just like the first one. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I, when, I, when I hear just preach the gospel, um, when, when it's used as an occasion to dismiss, uh, particularly the cries that are coming from uh, injured people groups, uh, people groups that uh, feel marginalized because they have been. Uh, it's not just a feeling. It's actually a, an existential reality that there are certain, uh, certain skin colors, certain ethnicities, certain you know sort of Eurocentric um, um, origins that have had the advantage uh, economically, as as B J was saying, uh, uh, socially in terms of who has access to leadership and power, uh, and decision making and culture shaping for organizations, businesses, communities, cities, municipalities, the whole nation. Um, and so, as the church, um, you, you can't just preach the gospel while leaving your neighbor out. Uh, you, you're actually preaching a sub-gospel. Uh, a a substandard gospel, an incomplete gospel, when you only preach, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Uh,
0: Okay, so that's false teaching. Like, I don't think that's really debatable for any orthodox, small orthodox Christian. That's false teaching. Uh, He just conflated the law and the gospel, classic conflation, the kind of conflation I'd expect from a liberation theologian. Saying that loving your neighbor is—that's part of the gospel—and if you don't do that in the way that he prescribes, which is uh, doing all this social justice nonsense, then uh, you just don't have the full gospel. You're, you're just, you just have an incomplete gospel. So th- this should be an easy, like, hit it out of the park statement to 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 show and, and to say, look, he said this. He said it very clearly. He said it repeatedly in this clip. Now he he should retract it, but this is this is not there really is no uh open question on this this isn't fuzzy and and so that's one of the reasons i i think that if pca leadership thinks a guy like this can just kind of skate by as and be uh somehow treated with with the respect that we deserve that that brothers deserve and uh equal members of standing in the pca uh, pastors uh, we we need to journey together with him and like that that stuff is is weird to me cuz i'm like looking at at Adam and I'm like, well, is he a false teacher? You got to answer that question first. Is that false teaching? If it is, and he's, he's standing by it. He's a false teacher. Right. So, um, that, that shouldn't be that hard, but, but it is. And, uh, this is the final clip I just want to show you, uh, from
1: Scott Saul's, um, you know, ask yourself, is your, is your mar is your heterosexual marriage as committed Mm -hmm. as, as some some gay marriages you know some gay marriages are deeply committed mm-hmm. uh as as out of step with scripture as they are your your marriage commitment needs to be be at least you know on the same level of commitment yeah. in your biblical marriage um you know so that you have a at least you have grounds from which to you know have some sort of credibility
0: okay, so you're this whole the context of this clip is kind of ridiculous he's like you can't really oppose same-sex marriage if you don't have the perfect marriage you just don't have any justification for doing so uh i guess if you if you ever hate your brother in your heart you can never tell a murderer not to like, come on come on right and he he, he does this in a, in a situation in a context where we are being completely indoctrinated into blurring the lines between genders children even, are, are being indoctrinated in this way from companies like Disney. Uh, and, and this is the context in which he decides to make the statement that, uh, you know, some gay marriages, they, they, they're they more committed. They, they they might be morally uh, superior in some ways to, uh, I'm sorry, that's just not the case, that there's no way. On, on its worst day, a heterosexual marriage is more biblical than any so-called same-sex marriage. That's just. This is a pastor we're talking about. This isn't just some social commentator. This is Scott Sauls, a major leader up until recently in the Presbyterian Church in America. Now, uh, I want to say one thing about this, because I've been thinking about this the last few days, that I, I want to weave in some of the cultural Christianity uh, pros and cons and objections that have been made to that. Because I, I see some of this at play. People are very worried after the woke stuff, some people, that a conservative version of that, where politically conservative issues become the driving force uh, for and attached to the gospel in some way, uh, will, will become a, like a right-wing version of social justice. And I'm not going to read the article, but Josh Bice actually somewhat makes this point. Stephen Wolf responded to him on his own podcast, ours, Politica. And I thought did a great job responding, but this is one of the points that Josh Bice was bringing up: uh, that hey, th- this this cultural Christianity stuff, this Christian national stuff, whatever you want to call it, uh, th- this stuff is it's like the woke stuff. It's it, it see you see oppressor, you see oppressed. Um, it's uh, it's attaching things to Christianity that don't need to be attached to Christianity, and 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 part of me sympathizes with this because I get it in some ways. It, on on a certain level, I get it. Now, if you just if you read it more, I think, and you, you see what people on the right are actually saying, those are concerns are alleviated. But the concern is that instead of racial reconciliation being a gospel issue, the free market is a gospel issue, right? Or uh, saying in God we trust on courthouses or opening, uh, you know, civic meetings with prayers is a gospel issue. None of those things are gospel issues, right? And I've said this repeatedly on this podcast repeatedly that if you try to make something like capitalism or the second amendment or whatever right-wing thing you want to take a gospel issue you have committed the same basic uh, you might have better policies but you've committed the same theological error because the main issue with the woke movement theologically was that was what you just heard from scott sauls they keep trying to attach the gospel to these left-wing movements so if a right if that happens on the right it's wrong and i I'm open to the fact that that could happen on the right. In fact, I think I have seen versions of that more so in, in Pentecostal charismatic circles. I remember I was speaking at an event. This is, oh man, maybe three years ago. I was speaking at an event. It was the uh, two and a half years ago. It was right when my book had come out on uh, Christianity and social justice. And um, I won't say where or what event exactly. It was a political event though, but it was Christian political. And, um, and I don't have any problem with that. It wasn't inside a church. Uh, it, it was just, you know, we're Christians who want to, we want to be involved in politics. So anyway, I go to the event and I, I get up there, I start speaking. And I'm, I'm only given like five minutes. It was the shortest speech that I've ever given because uh, because there was a double booking that day. And uh, I was supposed to speak the whole time. And then they realized last minute, oh, we accidentally double booked. It still come and, and give a five minute speech. So I did, I came and gave my five minute speech. And in my particular speech, my my main thrust was, we cannot merge these political categories with the gospel. The gospel is pure. We need to defend the gospel. We shouldn't recruit Christians into social justice thinking because we're telling them somehow that they're being untrue to, or unfaithful to the gospel. And right after me, uh, there was a there was a speaker and he, he gave a great speech. And then uh, there was another speaker and the other speaker gets up and he basically contradicted everything I said. And I don't think he even knew he was doing it. And the same audience is like amening him who just amened me. And I was so confused by it. Uh, but anyway, he, he starts saying, "We, you know, the main problem we have is that we got to realize the gospel is so much bigger than just the soteria. It's so much bigger than just salvation. The gospel is, uh, it, it changes societies and it changes, and here's how it does it. It changes and he goes into all the institutions and in society. It was like se- seven mountains. Is seven? Is it seven? I think it's seven. Seven mountain stuff. And I'm thinking I'm sitting there and I'm like, that's pretty much the exact opposite of what I just said. And it's 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 almost like a right wing version of it. Now, the the debate that's happening right now, though, isn't over that. Um, So the people who are advocating, uh, at least in the more conservative evangelical circles and the more reformed circles uh, that, that are currently clashing, they're they're not confusing these categories. They're saying there is a gospel that is pure, that cannot be mixed with these political categories in ways that compromise it. You can't attach uh, doing some kind of work, doing keeping some kind of law to the gospel. That's a conflation of the law and the gospel. So, And that's 100% correct. They're avoiding the Galatian heresy, and, and we all should avoid that. And so uh, they don't think that laws can change hearts uh, automatically. They, they think, though, that there's something separate Christians in a capacity of being involved in the culture and being involved in politics ought to be about as well. So not to confuse their role as Christians in, in churches who share the gospel uh, and make disciples, but but in political and social fields, they also have a responsibility, especially in a democratic republic where we live, to be salt and light by enforcing Uh, and and supporting the laws of Christ. Um, This was not controversial up until very recently. All Christians pretty much would have believed this. It's a very post-World War II multicultural phenomenon that says that, oh no, what about the Muslims? If we uh, only have uh, Christians giving the the opening invocations, and we, uh, let's say, go as far as a a lot of the colonies during the founding of our country, uh, the states during the founding of our country, and you know, blaspheming Jesus Christ is an offense that is punishable with with legal consequences. Um, what about the Muslims? If we do that, people Christians didn't think that way until, like, literally, it's been in in the last I don't know, uh, maybe seventy years that that's even started to be something that Christians. And now you have even conservative Christians who are saying uh who are mortified by like the lieutenant governor of Oklahoma dedicating the state to Jesus Christ. They're mortified by this. How can anyone do this? Well, everyone was okay doing those kinds of things and public declarations to prayer in Jesus name who are Christians up until pretty recently. That's just history, but you have to ask why did it change? What happened? And 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 that's a longer discussion, but uh, yeah, multicultural thinking, I think, uh, is a big part of this. And uh, the belief that um, the nation is only based on a, a proposition of equality or freedom and not on these other longstanding traditions that have marked a, a nation or a country. Um, all that comes into play here. So so I think there's a natural, uh, a natural hesitation people that have been immersed in that for their whole lives uh, have when someone wants to get Christian in their political office. Um, but but there is this other thing. There is this other thing of being wanting to be careful that we don't commit the same errors of the social justice movement. And I am all for that. We ought to be careful. We we don't want to start conflating these things. Uh, we want to keep them separate. Law and gospel are separate, but law is still important. Law has three functions primarily. Uh, it serves to convict the believer, or the unbeliever, as Paul said. Without the law, I would not have known sin. Number two, it helps the believer in guiding his life knowing what pleases God if you if you love me you keep my commandments right that's what Jesus said and then number 3 it serves to restrain evil on this earth for people who don't even acknowledge Christ in their hearts when the civil magistrate says we're going to punish you if you steal Jesus has said not to steal so we're we're going to punish you you know what that does it deters thieves so those are the three functions of the law those functions don't go away uh, because, well, it, it, the, the, or the, the second two functions um, don't go away just because, let's say, the, the first function, uh, is we, we want to get rid of that. Or, or the, the, the third f- function doesn't go away just because the first two functions are spiritual and they, and they only belong to the church and uh, the government has no business here. No, there's three functions. And this has been a longstanding idea within Protestantism for sure. Uh, Chris H. writes, uh, Christians didn't think that way until leftists needed new allies in the attack on Western culture and those pillars that support it. I I tend to agree with that. They're running in the same circles uh, as progressives from years ago. And a lot of conservatives today are like that. They're just conserving previous iterations of progressivism. So uh, we don't want to be that way. We want to be principled. We want to be immersed in the word. We want to be immersed uh, in, in good thinking on this. And. I, I do. I, I need to make that point. We're going to get back to Scott Saul's, but I need to make that point that I understand why some people are hesitant. Uh, and that is one of the reasons. The other thing you saw in this clip of Scott Saul's is this uh, intersectional kind of like oppressor oppressed, being hyper-focused on that. The church needs to level the playing field, that kind of thing. Now, I want to say this, the, the cultural Christian advocates that I know of, and and I'm talking about guys like Joel Webbin, like Dusty Devers, like uh, William Wolf and Stephen Wolf, and um. You know like uh you know even the guys at protestia are pretty much in this banner they wouldn't like christian nationalism as, as a but but they they're they're for cultural christianity in some respects uh there i mean it, it it's it's a fairly large and fairly deplatformed group like they're they're uh, more organic um but I, I would say even the guys probably uh you know in moscow uh they would be in in this vein um those those whatever group you want to call that, I'm just saying that the guys who, who think that Christianity should impact culture and, and that impact should be reflected even in laws and uh, that non-Christians should even be compelled. In some cases, uh, we can debate what those cases are, but in some cases uh, to follow laws of God, um, those guys uh, are not say, I don't hear them saying Christians are being discriminated against. And uh, therefore, what we ought to do is come up with some reparations scheme or what we ought to do is make sure that they have a, a seat at the table because, you know what, for, for equity purposes, it's just fair. That's just they're not saying those kinds of things. You're not going to show me the quotes. You're not going to find them. Um, it is not wrong to acknowledge oppressors and oppressed guys. The problem with the woke stuff is the metric they used to detect oppression was broken. They, they would look in, in all the wrong areas. And, and sometimes even if they were in the right areas, they were using the wrong metric So they were pointing to things saying that's oppression that weren't actually oppression. They weren't examples of it. And if they were, they were already mechanisms in place to deal with it. They wanted extra mechanisms. And those extra mechanisms were intended to bring about an outcome of equity uh, or equality. They've changed the terms, but it, uh, equality of outcome. And that meant economic, that got into leadership and privilege and all these different arenas where we had to, on a racial metric or a gender metric or a sexual orientation metric, make sure that everyone was socially equal. I don't see that coming from the people who want cultural Christianity. They're not saying that uh, everything needs to be equal. We need equilibrium between all religions. And no, they're actually saying, no, Jesus's laws are applied to everyone. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you're going to be judged according to his law. So it's a it's loving your neighbor to for the government, even uh, for the civil magistrate to reinforce these standards, to remind people of the laws that they're breaking, uh, that they need to repent, that they should not do those things to uh, assist the conscience in these ways. Um What they're saying is that, yes, there is oppression going on. There is discrimination against Christians. But the response is not to form some equity, diversity, and inclusion board at your local church, university, or town hall. Uh, It is to instead be about the business of getting involved as much politically as as you can responsibly. You don't want to neglect your family and your church and those kinds of things, but getting involved and being salt and light in that arena. That's all they're saying. That's it. They're, they're not saying there' no there's no revenge scheme. there's no there's none of that that you see coming with the envy, the, the all of the things that you see coming from the social justice movement I, they're not they're not present. Uh, now, could they become present? I think it's good to to caution to say, look, if there becomes some kind of like let's really uh, punish our enemies in, in a revenge kind of way because of what they're doing to Christians. Uh, you, you know we should use power. we we should certainly use power for the good of others. That's a Christian thing to do, right? It's not Christian to let a bunch of tyrants uh, run for city council or representative or governor or president when you could be doing it. Like if you're in the position to do those things and you're just going to let some pagans do it because, well, I don't want to be about power. That's that's actually that, that, that's the opposite of what you should be doing. You should be ab- about loving your neighbor by using power correctly. Power is not a bad thing. Uh, in fact, it, all this talk about God giving up his power and so forth. Right. That's in a particular context. He gave up some, uh, some of his, uh, Jesus did, in, in this case, I'm thinking of Philippians 2. I mean, he gave up some of uh, his, uh, the, the power, that the privilege he had as the son of God in heaven to be an incarnate, to be incarnated as a man. Uh, he was the God Man, 100% God, 100% Man, uh, to fulfill a particular task. But even in that, he is doing so for the joy set before him. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, where every knee is going to bow. I mean, it sounds like there's some power going on there, right? Power's not that. Power can be used in righteous ways for everyone, and it's not just to to um to to benefit one demographic uh, in over all other demographics the 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 people who want christian culture believe that power is uh, that christians having power and exercising it in godly ways is good for everyone that's that's the point um so anyway th- those two concerns i've seen those brought up repeatedly and and they they're strawmen the pe- the people who are are advocating these kinds of things aren't actually saying those kinds of things Um, but a caution is appropriate. We don't want to slip into what the woke people have done like Scott Sauls. Now, someone like Scott Sauls, getting back to Scott Sauls, I made the points I think I wanted to make, um, someone like Scott Sauls, uh, can be discredited, but how can he be discredited is the question I have. How can he be discredited? So I'm going to pull up, uh, something here. This is an article from Religion News Service, not exactly your right leaning publication. And they say this about Scott Sauls. This is on May May 7th. Bob Smiatana, if I'm saying his name right. And I've read some of his stuff before, definitely on the woke side, way, way hardcore on the woke side. Uh, he says this The Reverend Scott Sauls, an influential evangelical Christian pastor and author, has been placed on an indefinite leave of absence from the Nashville church he has pastored since 2012. His leave was announced Sunday, May 7th, during a member meeting at Christ Presbyterian, a prominent Presbyterian church in America congregation. In a video message to the congregation, Sauls apologized for an unhealthy leadership style that harmed the people who worked for him and the church. I verbalized insensitive and verbal criticisms of others' work, he said, according to a recording of the meeting shared with Religion News Service. I've used social media and the pulpit to quiet dissenting viewpoints. I've manipulated facts to support paths that I desire. I mean, this is all pretty, I don't know the specifics, but it sounds pretty bad. Saul's made clear he had not been involved in any sexual sin or substance abuse. He said that he would seek counseling and repentance during his leave, and he hoped that to someday reconcile with the people he had harmed. I'm grieved to say that I've hurt people, he said. I want to say to all of you that I'm sorry. The leave comes after an investigation by Christ Presbyterian itself and by the Nashville Presbytery of the Presbyterian Church in America. That investigation was prompted by a letter sent from a number of former Christ Presbyterian staffers who raised concerns about Skull's conduct as a leader. During Sunday's Christ Presbyterian meeting, members also heard from the church's elders who said they hoped the leave would lead to healing and reconciliation. The elders who also admitted their own shortcomings in allowing an unhealthy culture uh, so it goes on. And um, then the, the author here, Bob, uh, connects it to other things like Ray Ortland uh, left his church in 2007. Uh, and or let's see, it says maybe the least value laden way to say this is from Ortland is a group of people in the church made it their purpose that I would not be their pastor any longer. They succeeded in their purpose. Ortland told the Gospel Coalition. Uh, In 2016, the Reverend Jim Bachman, longtime member of nearby Covenant Presbyterian Church, another Nashville PCA congregation, was suspended by the Presbytery for inflicting severe injury on the peace and purity of the church. Uh, Earlier this year, the Illinois Human Rights Commission charged the PCA church with a civil rights violation over the firing of a staff member. The state of Illinois had previously found substantial evidence that Naperville Presbyterian Church, led by Ray Ortland's son, Dane Ortland had retaliated against a longtime female staffer after after she filed a discrimination complaint. Now, now for those who don't know, Ray Ortland, I've, I've talked about him on this podcast before, but super big at the gospel coalition. He's the one that was saying things uh, a few years ago. You might remember this, that, you know, actually he, he might agree with some of the G3 guys. I don't know, but at the time we thought this was woke. Now I get, I don't know, but he said that, uh, that Bible Belt Christianity basically needs to die. And that's a good thing. It's dying and that's a great thing that Bible Belt Christianity is going the way of the dodo bird. Uh and, and he made a number of other posts that were just so condescending on uh on Bible Belt Christians. Like where he I mean, he's kind of I mean, I know Nashville's kind of secular compared to the rest of Tennessee, perhaps, but I mean, you're 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 still in the Bible belt, more or less. And and this was just, it, it just struck me as odd. It's like, it, it, and I, I see this so often from people in the Bible Belt. They're, they're most often the ones who are against Bible Belt Christianity. And part of it is they see the hypocrisy. They see the, how easy that is to conform. And so they they have a bad taste in their mouth for it. And they think, well, it it would be better if people were just honest, where we could live in a place where people just, I guess, expose their evil hearts on a daily basis. Most of them, though, don't go to places like San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, New York City la they're not living in places like that once you live in a place like that you begin to see pretty quick oh my goodness okay uh having social mores impacted by christianity is actually a good thing uh when that's not no longer present man do things spiral out of control so anyway but but that was uh big at the gospel coalition uh definitely said woke stuff in fact i remember now he's the one ray ortland who Made a tweet a few years ago saying how he felt like being called woke was such a compliment. He loved being woke, so literally taking the term and applying it to himself. And 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 why are you saying all this, John? Well, I'm saying all this for this particular reason. You just saw the clips, and, and you know, and I and I just showed you some things from uh, from or I just reminded you of some things from Ray Ortlund, but you just saw the clips from Scott Sauls. You see any problems with those clips? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's false teaching in those clips. How come that didn't take him out? That's the question I want to ask. How come that didn't take him out? How come even the Gospel Reformation Network wasn't really able to do much about Scott Saul's? They could not call false teaching, false teaching. At least publicly, maybe behind closed doors they were, I don't know, but the Gospel Reformation Network isn't able to deal with the Scott Saul's effectively. They weren't even really, and I don't know, the PCA, look, if you're being the PCA, you're, you're in a better, better position than the SBC's in, by far. Things do take a long time to work their way through the processes and all that. I get that. I've, I've been paying attention as much as I can. Uh, oftentimes, good things happen at their, uh, their meetings, and the, then when they go to be ratified, their overtures, uh, it's the churches that stop them from being ratified. So um, they, they have a problem. They have a fight on their hands. I get all that. There's politics. I'm just saying, I'm not saying like anything procedurally being done or like, I'm not even necessarily saying um, punishments coming from the PCA itself. I'm just saying people calling a spade a spade, like just saying, just vocalizing at the meeting, Scott Sauls, you, you, this is false teaching. What you've said is false teaching. Uh, Or or if if it's not at the meeting, going online and just calling these people out. If you have a prominent position in, in the PCA, it doesn't happen, guys. It just doesn't. And, 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 and okay, that's just the way it is. Yet, yet, Scott Sauls is taken out by who? Well, we don't know exactly who in the church or how the, the whole thing went down, but who's reporting on it? Who had the inside scoop? Yeah, Religion News Service. It's a left-wing outlet. Now, I've made the point many times on this podcast that left leaning people tend to circle the wagons around their own. In fact, they reward their activists. Their most extreme activists get awards at national conventions for things. Whereas conservatives are looking to their right to see who they can throw overboard <laughs> to make themselves look more moderate and reasonable. That's just the way it is and there's there's reasons for it, but uh that's just how it is. Now, there are exceptions though. And I was thinking about this before the podcast. I'd be curious if anyone else had examples they could put in the show notes, but other people who have been not whether taken out or just somewhat deplatformed, the wind's been taken out of their sails and they will no longer have the national recognition they once had uh matt chandler's one of those people matt chandler still serves as a pastor but because of multiple sp- scandals or alleged scandals he has not related to woke stuff by the way in fact if anything perhaps the the, the woke people are what ate him <laughs> i don't know but he has been scaled down to size he does not have the influence he once had and he probably never will um adam greenway uh corruption so i'm I'm talking about guys who are woke leaning adam greenway's woke leaning matt chandler's woke leaning uh another guy president of southwestern baptist theological seminary basically taken out because uh mismanagement corruption those kinds of things uh not because of anything he said advocating for social justice uh, same with Matt Chandler. Not because I pointed this out in my book, Christianity and Social Justice. He's also advocated the same false teaching Scott Sauls has. You got an incomplete gospel if you're not on board with social justice kind of stuff. He's not taken out for that. It, it, it's, it's other things. Um, Bruce Ashford, right? Another guy who was, I mean, really the darling of, of the Gospel Coalition. And I mean, there's a number of organizations I remember that really were cozying up to Bruce Ashford. And now, I mean, it's sad, honestly, like pray for Bruce Ashford, because I mean, I actually have a heart for him, even though I disagreed with him. And I thought he was he said terrible things when he was at Southeastern when I was there. He was the provost there. Uh, I, I kind of I just feel bad for the, the situation he's in. I mean, and, and you've heard me talk about it on the podcast before. He was me too. And, and by the way, both of the things that I, I'm talking about here being taken out by the woke and at the same time, um, the, the wagons being circled are at play here. That's the institutionalization uh, of the nature of, uh, woke corporations and institutions. They, uh, it's the institutionalism that causes the wagon circling. Uh, but the wokeness can be an acid that sometimes can even penetrate that not all the time. Um, so in, in, in his case, he had everyone circling around him at Southeastern and they're, they're, they're covering things or they're, they're, they're not reporting things. They're putting him away quietly. They're making sure that people don't know, uh, that his wife, is crying out on Twitter to Beth Moore and Rachel Den Hollander that, that there's a me too situation here and he's horrible behind closed doors. And, um, and, and then in and all the other situations that have transpired since then related to this with him being an alcohol rehab program and the, the whole, the, the, the lift driver situation where a, a young uh, girl threw herself out of the car when he was driving, saying that he was trying to make, um, advances on her verbally. Like, All of this stuff has has transpired. It's very sad someone to go from from the top of like they were a provost. They were writing books and this Christian intellectual to to they're driving for Lyft. And um, but what made that all possible? What's what spiraled things out of control? You could say his own actions, but the Me Too stuff, I think, contributed significantly to this. Um, It it was uh, his wife's statements and um, the and the subsequent uh, things that we just talked about ended up now, now the alcoholism thing, that's, that's a little different. That's a moral failure. Um, but it, it, th- I, I think the me too stuff certainly contributed. And and I'll say this about it. This, here's how, you know, now that this stuff is all public, he'll never regain that position again. He'll never rise to that level of prominence again. He he just can't because it, there's a barrier to that. There's a ceiling that he cannot penetrate And it's a ceiling brought to you by Me Too. It's not the alcoholism stuff that's really made that ceiling for him. It's the Me Too stuff. So um, what's going on? What's going on that someone like Scott Sauls can easily be taken out by some kind of behind closed doors? There was some sort of abusive stuff going on. We don't even know the nature of it, but he cannot be taken out for, for heresy. Over the course of years, we're talking here. Over the course of years. Um, there's probably more to be said and we'll analyze it further I want to get to some of the comments though and actually uh, Mary Cullison has been waiting uh, patiently in the chat I'm going to give her a minute in case she wants to come on she's a patron if you are a patron you are more than welcome to be part of the live podcast in fact I will put the link in the live stream comment section there for anyone who is a patron who wants to uh, come on and talk about any of these issues if you want to Show your face or just make an audio comment uh, or ask a question, you are more than welcome uh, to do so. So, Mary, I'm going to give you a moment uh, if you have a question. Um, but there's some other comments that are coming in here. Uh, let's see. Jack Black says, I live in a town where these people are coming and crime is rising everywhere. They aren't here for Jesus. I, I, I'm not sure who these people exactly are. I think I missed the context of this, uh, perhaps. Uh, oh, here we go. Hordes pouring over the border would Christian nationalism solve that? Okay. So there's the question. All right. Oh uh, yeah. And, and you know what, Jack, I really empathize with you. Um, in fact, oh man, I don't know if I can pull it up right now. Um, I'm going to see if I can, I'm going to see if I can. Uh, there was a County near me, uh, Orange County. It's actually the County under me in New York. Um, their official, see if it comes up. I don't know if it actually will. Yeah, it's not coming up I don't think. Um someone sent me the screenshots and I just don't have them available to put on the podcast right now. Uh, oh. But here here's what I can do. I I think I have them on my phone. Um uh, Mary, as soon as you unmute yourself, we'll we'll come to you. Uh so see if i can pull them up here basically what they decided to do was give instructions they even drew a map for people from new york city who are illegal migrants who have arrived in new york city because that's one of the places you go uh, and they want to come in to the united states Uh, they want to remain here they give them instructions on how to survive in their county uh, it, it, it's a whole manual. Actually, this was on Instagram, I guess. Maybe that's why I'm not finding it, but you can, you can kind of see here. Um, that's what it looks like. And, and so it, it's, it's well done nearby New York counties. Uh, it has maps on it, uh, maps and, and pictures and everything instructing, uh, legal migrants on what they can do with with beautiful pictures of hotel rooms, by the way, facilities that they can stay at. They get three meals per day breakfast, lunch, and a hot dinner. Uh, they get laundry service. It will it will be provided to you every other week. Uh, additional amenities, housekeeping, medical consultations with a remote healthcare professional. This is all for illegal migrants, guys. This is in the county right under me. And it's showing them on a map what buses they can take to get to Newburgh and Orangeburg. This is going to affect my area. It's the county right under me. So I empathize with what Jack Black is asking here. He's saying what would Christian nationalism solve this? Would would Christians getting involved in politics do yeah, I'd like to think that, but here's here's the deal. Number one, some Christians who get involved in politics for whatever reason, they're on the woke train and they're going to be flanning the flames of this kind of nonsense and saying that's part of loving your neighbor. So so, so they're they they would not call themselves Christian nationalists, but but the Christians involved in, in political things. Uh, Those who are more conservative, who are Christians, whether they use that term or not, but they just want to, uh, they believe we have a country, they believe nations exist, they believe there's such a thing as a border. Yeah, they are going to be the kind to get in there and to put a stop to this. Um, There's just not enough of them. And and where have the good men gone is a question that many are bringing up. We're in a crisis mode here. There are towns being absolutely overtaken by illegal migration right now. And, and, and that's not loving your neighbor, right? The, the, the government is supposed to protect who, which people, the people of Chile, the people of Brazil, or the people of the United States. Well, if it's the Brazilian government, it's Brazil. But if it's the United States government, it's the United States. It's, those are the neighbors they're supposed to protect. Those are the ones in proximity to them. Those are the ones under which the, the jurisdiction matters. And th- they should not be burdened and saddled with uh, having to foot the bill Uh, A bill that many of them cannot even afford because they're in financial turmoil right now of people who whose countries are in shambles, whose countries are uh, need correction. In fact, we can lead by example probably better than we can at at just creating an open door at the border for everyone who comes in uh, to sink the boat can come in. Um, So. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe that any of those people who uh, would be advocates of that, but who's running? That's the thing. Uh, and people have pointed this out. You know, <laughs> those who want to get involved in uh, politics for uh, and advocate for Christian morality, uh, how you, you have a long way to go, don't you? Well, if you're on the local level, you, there's, there's things you can do in certain regions. It's kind of hard, though, when it's the national government that's keeping the, the border so open. I would think the border states... Should, should be able to declare states of emergency and do something. And at this point, look, if you're going to say, well, no, that the Constitution gives that uh, jurisdiction to the federal government, y- you have to say, well, we, yeah, and we never for <laughs> and they're they're violating the agreement that we have by um, by basically making war on us. They're allowing these people uh, in some of them who are violent, some of them who are drug traffickers. They're allowing them in. They're not doing their job. We're going to have to do it. Uh, Arizona got in trouble years ago for trying to do that. Um, But we need some people who will uh, hang tough. Um, So anyway, Jonathan, hey, wait, who is this? Jonathan Matura says one of the migrant hotels is right up the road from where I work in Orangeburg, New York. So you're not far from me. Have we met? I don't think we've met. Interesting. Uh, I I hope you can come, by the way, Jonathan, to the men's retreat uh, this fall since you're in the local area. Uh, It'd be easier for you. Some people travel, but um, it'd be easier for you. Okay, uh someone says T James Boone Christian nationalism would definitely solve the border issue supporting massive immigration legal or illegal isn't nationalism and therefore not Christian uh nationalism. Yeah, well it's 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 not it it just doesn't believe that there's a nation, you know. It just does it 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 just denies the existence of that. That's kind of the fundamental issue. Okay, uh man, there's a lot of comments coming in about the, I wasn't expecting to get into that. But since the question was asked, I'm in Canada, Teresa says, and our border is a mess also. Really? (laughs) Who's coming in? Is it the, is it Americans? Anyone can come in anyone except Christians who are being persecuted in Muslim countries. Thanks. You know, that's so true. That's so true. Um, I have thought this before that, you know, there's a lot of, a whole lot of Christians in South Africa who are, you know, basically if you look into what's actually happening, it's basically a genocide, And it's against Boers and and white South Africans. Uh, But many of them, I mean, they they claim to be Christians. Many of them are Dutch Reformed or Anglican, mostly Dutch Reformed. And they're like, we don't have room for them. (laughs) It's just weird, right? Like they would probably be more in line with traditional American values. Uh, And there's not as many of them to, um, they they would dilute and probably be a better fit because there's already Dutch people in the Midwest. You put them in the Midwest and it probably wouldn't have, wouldn't change a whole lot, uh, trust could be built much easier, but instead we're going to take people from socialist countries in South America, let them come over the border as many, and Chinese now coming over the border and pe- people who just don't even, uh, don't, don't have the same, uh, they, they're, they're less, they share less in common with us. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of comments coming in. I can't get to all of them, but uh, thank you guys uh, for everyone who's participating here. I'm going to let Mary come in the chat. Mary, if you are, um, if if you're available, if you're in the chat, I'm going to leave this uh, open for a few minutes and uh, feel free to to start talking whenever you want. Uh, to end the program, though, I I, I want to say that I think the reason this is my theory. One, the reason for the fact that people who are woke can be taken out from corruption or the Me Too movement or abuse charges, that kind of thing, but they cannot be taken out uh, by by means of showing their hypocrisy or their um, their false teaching is because of a change that's happened within us. And I'm not just saying for the left. I'm saying for people who call themselves conservative Christians, who believe, you know, theologically conservative Christians. I think that in general, we have, we've infiltrated ourselves. Unfortunately, I've seen this for a few years now. I see it constantly when people on the right politically try to make, and, and Christians are included in this, try to say, well, the Democrats are the real racists. And I get the whole, let's point out hypocrisy. But what they've done is they have introduced a standard that we should cancel someone for or racism. And don't be surprised when this standard undercuts your very constitutional liberties. If you start saying, well, the Democrats were the real racists. And you and you figure out, well, you know, Thomas Jefferson. he was You know, the Democrats used to have the Jefferson Jackson dinner. Thomas Jefferson is, stands in that lineage. He was a Democratic Republican uh, forerunner to the Democrat Party. And you start looking at Thomas Jefferson and some of his views, which everyone at that time pretty much had views that would not be in keeping with today's views on culture and race and all that you have a good reason to cancel Thomas Jefferson, don't you? And and this is what we've done. We have we have taken the left standards and tried to use those standards against them. I think this is actually what Ben Shapiro mostly does on his show. Uh, I, I used to listen to Ben Shapiro. I don't anymore, but, but for a few years I did, or maybe a year. And that's what I noticed is he's, he's very quick on his feet. He talks a million times a minute. He, can, he has a good memory, right? He's got a, the mind of a good lawyer. But what he ends up doing is he he makes cases against the left that are based primarily on it, their own standards. It's, it's within their own playing field. It's uh, They say that they're tolerant. while well, they're actually not. They say that they are against discrimination. while well, they actually do discriminate. It's those kinds of things that he goes after. They say they're for women's rights, but they don't even know what a woman is. Some of these things are valid to point out, But because we have repeated these things so often over and over and over again, and we have made them the central arguments against progressive thinking, we have reinforced a leftist standard within our own ranks. And because we've reinforced a leftist standard within our own ranks, we have reprioritized things so that theology, good theology does not matter quite as much as Making sure that you're not abusing women according to the Me Too standards, right? Uh, we are quicker to point out, "Hey, this guy uh, said something that violates Me Too, or did something that violates Me Too," uh, than we are to point out, "Hey, this guy is a rank heretic." Sometimes. Um, now, I'm not saying that's everyone on in the conservative evangelical side at all. I'm certainly not in that. Um, but I am saying I'm seeing this undercurrent happen. I'm seeing a willingness to point those things out and a willingness, and, and I'm not even saying it's all bad. D- don't hear me wrong here. I'm not saying all of that is bad to point out hypocrisy. I'm not saying it's wrong to call the left out for hypocrisy. I am saying though, that we have to be really careful with this, that we do not adopt their standards. And that seems to be what is happening. And I think that's happening with Scott Salls. Many people pointed out, hey, this is good news. Look, Scott Salls is... uh he's kind of been taken out. His influence is diminished. And now with Greg Johnson gone, maybe the PCA can uh, really fight the revoice stuff. And and I, you know, I agree. Well, good. Maybe in the providence of God, that's the case. But do we, have we thought about the reason that he was taken out or even the reason Greg Johnson left? Greg Johnson left in a huff because uh, he, he saw probably the writing on the wall, but he he didn't want to deal with the PCA anymore. And the PCA is bigoted and all this kind of thing. I don't think he used that word, but that was the the sense you got scott sauls uh is being taken out because of some alleged corruption behind the scenes abusive behavior behind the scenes it w- would not hit, it have been better if if the pca was able to really get their act together and really de-platform these guys i'm I'm saying hypothetically <laughs> for their theology and they, and they and it wasn't able to happen um it had to happen with Scott Saul's in the way that it's happening now that that says something guys that says something about us and what's happening to us and the way that the playing field is is kind of uh, the, the way that it works. Um, I, I know of you know conservative evangelicals who w- when they catch wind of a story that shows some kind of corruption or hypocrisy. Uh, they'll jump on that kind of a story and and it's easy. Let's say, and it's also juicy. Uh, people like to hear things about others, right? I mean, we have so shows based on this. Um, I'm not saying it's all the time bad to point those things out. Character matters, but there's, it, it takes more work sometimes. And I think it also takes more concentration and it takes more discipline. You're, you're running against the standards that have been given to us. To try to make the case that this person should not be listened to because of theological differences, it just does. It 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 just it it does. It's not as effective. People have figured out politically. It's not as effective. It's much more effective to accuse them of things. It's much more effective to do that. And and I'll admit, part of me is a little torn on some of this. Like I, <laughs> like what what do you do in a situation like this? Do you rejoice that Scott Sauls, who has been Promoting this this false teaching for so long is finally kind of deplatformed. Do you do you re- rejoice that some of the things behind closed doors that were happening with with Bruce Ashford have come up? And it, I mean, I don't know if that I rejoice, but I'm I guess I'm thankful that there's been some exposure uh, because of the the public things they were doing that are wrong. But the public things are the things that I'm more concerned about. I'm more concerned about. It's just crazy that you get more traction uh, on on these things that are really more inconsequential, biblically speaking. So that was the point I wanted to make. I don't have a, a, a great solution for it. How do, because that would be the next podcast topic, so maybe. How do we overturn this? How do we, uh, once again, restore a metric that prioritizes things rightly, that sees theology as more important? Not that those things aren't always important, but sees, uh, 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 let's say, an unfounded accusation that an unsubstantiated accusation is less important than someone's rank heresy, right? Uh, Spirit, I think at the bottom of this, if you really want to know my opinion, is a prioritization of the physical over the spiritual. It's a downgrading of the spiritual. This is what David Wells talked about in No Place for Truth, that we are looking at the social benefit of things, even the institution of the church. It's only really Worthwhile because of its social benefit for people in the here and now, uh, th- there is a all over the place. I see this a downgrade in concern about spiritual well being. That that hey, we're eternal souls. We're going to go to either heaven or hell when we die, and the the life that we leave now is going to affect things in the life to come. Um, whether we repent and put our trust in Jesus will affect where we go. Uh, I mean, th- th- think about even, I'm going to get back to the cultural Christianity thing here. Think of the civil magistrate in, and, and as Pierre Verre said, we said this in the podcast on Monday, Pierre Verre, a reformer who influenced John Calvin a lot, really influential reformer, a Swiss reformer. He, he believed it was the civil magistrate's job, even though he, he thought Christians could live in Ottoman controlled areas where, where there's Muslims. He thought uh, there the, a certain level of, of, uh, religious, uh, You know, Catholics could remain in a Protestant controlled area, those kinds of things. But he believed that the civil magistrate had the authority and the responsibility to take out idols, to destroy idols, a blatant public idols. He believed that. And and you can see why he believed that he's taking his cues from the Old Testament, the righteous kings. What was the main thing they did? Well, they took down the high places. They took down the idols. And that was that's within the jurisdiction. Now that is so controversial now, but why? I think one of the things at play here is the prioritization of earthly uh, concerns or or uh, temporal concerns over eternal concerns. If protecting people from false worship has an effect in eternity, then and and that is given, if you believe that that's given through passages in the Old Testament to the civil magistrate. Then that's going to be one of the more important things you do is to make sure that people don't proceed with false worship. Now, that doesn't mean I I, people get crazy about this sometimes, but that doesn't mean you can't have situations where uh, other denominations are are, 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 other denominations are allowed to freely uh, because of a a freedom of conscience. Um, You can't compel someone to be saved or anything, but. Uh, They can function. It doesn't mean that there's minorities who are the exception, uh, like even Jewish minorities, perhaps. This is this is a lot of the debates that happen at the founding of our own country uh, that they can't be tolerated in some ways. Um, But it does mean if you have a blatant idol publicly sanctioned, publicly approved of publicly, people are worshiping it. It's enticing people that the civil magistrate doesn't have a responsibility to take that take that out for people's heavenly good but as soon as you deny that heavenly good is even important enough for us to be that concerned about uh that it's really it's not as important um i think that's where y- you start having this like oh, allergy to civil magistrates getting involved in these ways uh because the much more important thing is people's economic social prosperity and uh the, the freedom they have to um to to live their lives in the way that they see fit. And, and those things, uh, they, d- depending on the applications of them, they can drown out the uh, concerns for heavenly good. Found- a lot of the founders didn't see these things. Most of the, f- the founders didn't even see these things as in conflict at all. I pointed it out a million times, but I think it's one of the best examples that Jefferson authored the Sabbatarian laws for Virginia and also the Religious Toleration Act. So there you go. Uh it, 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 they're, they don't have to be in conflict. You can have freedom of conscience. You can also have uh, a civil magistrate that recognizes Christianity and, uh, and and thinks that they have a role somewhat in uh, helping people, not not theologically guiding them in the sense of uh, giving them ecclesiastical, uh, of uh, imbibing them with ecclesiastical authority and giving them related instruction, but um, but that the things that are outlined in scripture, that are examples in scripture for civil magistrates, that they do have a role for heavenly good as well. So uh, that's the podcast for today. Um, I hope that was helpful for some of you. Uh, maybe it raised more questions than it answered, but um, if you want to find out more about the conference, please go to com. That's com. Uh, this is a, a conference uh, sponsored by Truthscript, and uh, more coming later this week. Hopefully, I'll be making some big announcements uh, Really with Truthscript and other things. God bless. More coming. Bye.